That's what she said, episode 24, The Job. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down, nowhere to go Welcome to episode 24 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 24th and final episode of season 3, entitled The Job, which originally aired Thursday, May 17, 2007. With Michael, Jim, and Karen in New York for the big interview, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is me, or Dwight, actually. Will a load of shrewd bucks win his co-workers love? It's DEFCON 20 when Jan wants Michael back, but is he strong enough to withstand her new dynamic duo? Tell her I said I want to squeeze them. It's code. She'll understand. And remember, when looking long-term, sometimes all you need is a yogurt lid to let you know where your heart lies. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water cooler again this week is our senior sales associate, Ian Castleberry. Ian, how you doing? Good, Matt. Happy birthday to you, as Uh, we're recording here. (laughs) Yeah, Um, thank you. I got you the same thing I've gotten you for the last, uh, what, eight, ten years or whatever it's been. Ah, yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I had a hard time picking it out. Ah, well. (laughs) In any case, well, yeah, it's my birthday today, and here's my dedication that I am recording this episode of The Job for your listening pleasure. I was in the chat room on Thursday. I watched the finale live, but Ian, unfortunately, had a better offer. He was hanging out with Carl Castle in Ann Arbor. Uh, what was going on with that, man? Uh, they were recording uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me in Ann Arbor, and favorite show of mine, and uh, when I saw that uh, they were recording in town. Uh, uh, well, we see so what your priorities didn't get a Didn't get a answering machine message, unfortunately. Oh, but, uh, drats. Well, got to hang out with a bunch of Ann Arbor hippie granola crowd. <laughs> well, people. The, the sad thing is that you weren't there in the chat room with us, and you didn't see the finale live, but you did catch it on your DVR, so we are primed and ready to go here. The finale, here it is, Ian. We've made it through the whole season. 24 episodes of That's What She Said. Yeah, feel a little, little tinge of pride in my heart. You should. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad everybody's been with us. If they've been with us for a while or if you just joined up recently, thanks for being here. Uh, we do have some plans to continue over the summer, and we will reveal those plans a little bit later in the episode. But uh, for now, let's go ahead and dive right in here, man. Now, we, um, yeah. we loved Women's Appreciation. Uh, we had some problems mm-hmm. with beach games. Yeah. What did you think about the finale, man? What did you think about the job? You know, you know what's funny is that, as you pointed out, I watched the episode after a lot of other people had, and I was trying really hard not to, you know, not to open those threads on the blog page, you know, <laughs> no spoilers, but you know, I could get a general sense of 
how enthusiastic people were about mm-hmm. it. So it almost made me afraid to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Thought, oh, man. Can't you know, live up to the hype. Yeah, but um, it had a great ending, of course, and unlike Beach Games, it didn't waste the other 40, 50 minutes filling up time until that moment. <laughs> um, it tied up a lot of different things, that uh, a lot of questions we've had all throughout the season. It, it, it just, it, it was what a season finale should be. It just kind of tied up a lot of loose ends, um, set up some things for the next season. Right. Now, this is, I want to bring this up because a lot of uh, listeners might not know this, but uh, uh, last few weeks, Ian and I have been uh, kind of talking behind the scenes, and I wasn't really sure, you know, we we're kind of talking about the future of That's What She Said and, you know, are we going to do it again next year? And I, I had something of what Ian called an existential crisis because I, as we got closer to the finale, I found myself thinking, man, if the finale doesn't wow me, if the finale does not excite me enough to want to tune in next season, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the desire, the energy to continue doing the podcast. And I was really concerned about that because, you know, this season for me has been a little up and down. Um, Uh I've really liked a lot of episodes, disliked a handful of episodes. And would they be able to do it? And I guess Beach Games had a great ending, but, again, it was a little shaky. wasn't one of our favorite episodes. And so I started to get a little nervous. You know, are they going to pull it off? You know, are they going to win me back? And even earlier in the season, I don't know if you remember this, Ian, but we kind of talked about that whole thing, are we over Jim and Pam? Uh, are we yeah. over that? Is it tired? Is it played out? And a lot of people were saying, yeah, they're sick of it. They're tired of it. And I actually said at the time that I'm really on the fence and the writers are going to have to do something really special to bring me back and make me care about Jim and Pam. And damn if they didn't do it, man. I had a tear in my eye <laughs> at the end of this episode, yeah. just like a uh, little schoolgirl. Um, I had that same feeling yeah, that I had You know, last one, one thing we should be proud of is just you admitting to everybody what a total set you are. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that's come across over the last eight months. If they haven't gotten that so far, but you know, still. He's, he's, you're secure enough in your masculinity to exactly uh, admit that this show gets you uh, blubbering <laughs> over a towel sometimes at the end of the. Well, the end it, of the it, it wasn't it wasn't quite that intense, but uh, as the film spotting guys like to say, it got a little dusty in my uh, living room <laughs> on Thursday. I got a little dusty in there and had a little tear in my eye. And, you know, like I said, damn if they didn't make me care, again, about Jim and Pam being together. And one of the things, and this is really kind of interesting, and I don't know if they really intended this, but one of the things that I sort of thought was kind of brilliant about the finale was that they have that scene right at the end, right before Jim comes back to the office, where they play that flashback from Beach Games that we didn't Mm -hmm. see, where Jim and Pam are talking about uh, what Pam just said and, and what's going on, and... Jim has this line where he's like, you know, I, even though I came back to Scranton, I feel like I haven't really come back. And right. I, I think, like, that totally changed the way I, I viewed the whole third season. Because all yeah. year we've been talking about how Jim is acting like a dick. Jim's not fun. Jim's not the guy from second season. You know, what's Jim's problem? And instantly that made me reevaluate kind of that whole thing. And I, I don't know if that's a, just like a cheap, cheap trick. <laughs> <laughs> to make um, me go back and think, oh yeah, I like those now. But maybe it was sort of a way to placate everyone. But I mean, that that is one example of what I meant when when I said that this this episode kind of tied everything together. You know, that was a mm-hmm. question we had all throughout the season. 
and you know, you see, we saw that it wasn't hopefully uh, an example of bad writing or you know, bad bad <laughs> yeah. acting choices or whatever. I mean, there, there was an, an intent. You know, not not to say that looking back on this season or you know, if we were to watch it all again once the season three DVD comes out, I don't know if that actually ties up the whole thing if you were to watch it in one shot. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it did seem to help everything click in place. Right, and like it's there actually, was an intent. It's actually uh, made me want to go back and watch the season again mm-hmm. uh, with that in mind. And so it's really, it, that one little line kind of changed my whole attitude <laughs> about how I've been looking at Jim this season. And so yeah. it also it also sort of made me think like, okay, yeah, I was right. You know, we were right. The people that were saying that something was wrong with mm-hmm. the way Jim was that, yeah, he was off. And he was off for a reason, for you know, a specific purpose that makes sense. So, yeah, it that was. Me kind of thinking. I know the way we watch episodic television is, you know, you you can't just judge a season as a whole because you're experiencing it in increments. But mm-hmm. it it did make me wonder sometimes, like you know, if if you were to have watched this as just in one straight shot, you know, like if it was like just say one really long TV show or movie <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. How would you feel about developments like that? Yeah, because I, 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 part of the thing, I guess, is what we, we were kind of talking about this before, is that uh, a lot of that has to do with pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, I don't know, again, I think this is part of this is the fact that the writers have said in interviews that they don't really have the whole series planned out ahead of time. So a lot of times they are kind of making things up as they go along. But, so in some sense, I mean, yeah, has there been an exactly, like, evenly paced development of of characters growth in in all 24 episodes i don't think it's been very even you know it's kind of been up and no, down no i don't i don't think it's been very even at all um in fact that that, that is kind of one minor beef i had with the finale is that there was a there were several elements in there that i thought would have been perhaps more interesting if they had been sprinkled throughout the season like maybe if they had you know, I, I don't know exactly exactly how the process goes as far as writing for the season and so forth. But if they had figured out some of these things earlier, mm-hmm. um, maybe to see some of these character developments or indication of where they're going right. earlier in the season. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned that you thought uh, you would wanted to see more of was was assertive, fancy new Beasley, right? That was Absolutely. I loved yeah. I loved Jenna Fisher and I loved Pam in the finale because we've never seen her like that someone who's assertive, someone who's uh, self-confident, someone who is, you know, like when she shouts down everybody else, hey, listen to Dwight's performance, you know? <laughs> it's like, that was cool. I don't know, it was cool to see that. And, and yeah, even though we've had that arc of Pam kind of finding herself all through the season, it kind of all came right at the last two episodes, I think the payoff. So it would have been kind of cool to see a little more of that. And, and part of that, though, I'm looking forward to hoping that we see her keep up with that in season four so that's something i am looking forward to i guess next season it will be interesting to see because i think part of that was based on the fact that you know she was trying to define herself even just in the office without jim and And now that jim will be back you know will she be as assertive i guess but you know what there's no reason for her not to be it would be disappointing for her not to be right and we can talk about this more when we play the pan plotline but I want to sort of bring it up right now a little bit because some people we've said before in previous episodes where Pam uh, says things to the camera and the talking heads like, "Oh, I don't feel bad. Oh, I, you know, I'm totally over Jim." Things mm-hmm. that we know where she's lying. Right. And 
but in the finale, there was actually a different different sense. And there, I had some people comment again that, oh, why is she lying in the finale? I thought she was more assertive. But I felt like she really had come to peace at the end. The things that she was saying in the it finale was totally that she was... She was like, you know what, if it's not meant to be, it's just not meant to be. And, and I thought that that's what really made it, I think, especially work, is the fact that she had, she wasn't lying to herself. You know, she'd come to terms mm. with that. If Jim wasn't going to be there, they could just be friends, and that would be cool. It might not work out. And then the fact that it did sort of work out was just icing on the cake, I guess. So kudos to Jenna Fisher and her acting in that episode for sure. A lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to like in here. I, should I talk about my bold prediction last week where I said I would I would stop watching The Office if they had Jan be pregnant? Uh, I was a little nervous for a while there. You and some other people were like, oh, man, you shouldn't have said that. But uh, I knew, yeah. I, as soon as I saw Jan walk in there, I knew that they had, uh, the office staff had not let me down. They'd come through with a clever twist. Uh, that was a lot better <laughs> than Jan being pregnant. It was kind of interesting to see, you know, like I said, the Dwight and Pam interaction. And it was sort of interesting to see the Andy and Dwight interaction. Because we've been talking a lot the last few weeks about whether or not Andy really had a place on the show. Um, what did you think about their interaction in this episode? Yeah, I liked it. Um, it seemed, like you, like you said, we, for the last few weeks we've been wondering what exactly Andy's role is on this show. And at least in this plot line, it seemed to fit, you know, where he was, he saw, Andy saw his opportunity to once again try and rise up the ladder. <laughs> uh, we didn't see him quite kiss Dwight's butt to the extent that he did earlier with Michael, so maybe that, that was a different approach. But it might have been funny in some regard to, for him to use some of that personality mirroring or whatever. <laughs> Man, I don't know. That's kind of scary. Could you imagine that someone mirrors Dwight's personality? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that'd be kind of funny. I, I guess it was it was a funny scene that he seemed Dwight seemed sort of impervious to a lot of Andy's tricks. Uh, yeah. And his his like interview process was so ridiculous that I, I don't know. Andy was quite game though. I gotta say, it's probably a gag that really only would have lasted one episode. But at least for one episode, Andy seemed to have a role. <laughs> yeah, and again, we'll have to see what he does or how he fits in next season. I uh, One of the comments that they had on the live blog with B.J. Novak and Jeff Daniels, somebody asked him about Andy, and they said that they really liked the character a lot, which I don't know about <laughs> if we agree or disagree on that, but they said that the reason why they liked him is because he's sort of a combination of Dwight and Michael, and... We've kind of said that before as well when we first talked about him being on the show. So if they can figure out interesting, fun things to do with him, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, we don't know what some of the dynamics are going to be in the office now with what happened at the very end of the episode. You know, right. a lot of things are going to change. So, you know, however it shakes down, maybe maybe <laughs> Andy's role will kind of become a little more defined. Yeah, and you know what? He might. Yeah, now that now that Ryan's gone out of the office, definitely there's uh, more space uh, for a new, you know, for Andy to grow, maybe to find his own niche. And let's talk about that just a little bit too, because a lot of people, I'm still kind of baffled the fact that people were so, they were looking for so many crazy explanations for that ending, where when the simplest <laughs> yeah. ending is just simply that Ryan got the job, and it, that opens yeah, up. Yeah, what's so the what's the <laughs> 
<laughs> What's the term? Occam's razor? Is that exactly. The simplest the solution, solution is, uh, is always the best. Thinking about that, when you think about that, that what they did there by having Michael have to work under Ryan, that's totally changed the entire dynamic of their relationship. It's opened up so many interesting plot questions in my mind. Absolutely. Uh, you know, is Michael going to be envious? Is he going to be resentful? Is he going to have like still have his man crush? on Ryan. So many things to play with. So I think yeah. that was a brilliant... I think that was actually a more exciting development than anything that happened with Jim and Pam. Because, <laughs> like you said, it just blows this thing wide open in a lot exactly. of ways. Exactly. And that was one of those things, like I said, you know, getting me excited for season four. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with that now. It's just like it's totally an unknown territory, you know. So many different possibilities, it seems like, to explore. So... Going going back briefly to what you said about how people, so many people were coming up with these wild speculations as to what, I mean, I think that also speaks to a, a minor weakness that there was in the ending of the episode because there were some things left hanging right. that people maybe want a little closure on, especially involving Karen specifically. Yeah, and um, one of the things, uh, just as another aside, we we kind of talked about the fact that they had supposedly shot alternate endings based on what was going to happen with Rashida Jones' pilot. Right. And, again, on that live blog, BJ Novak commented on the fact that they did have an alternate ending, but the fact that it was Ryan getting the call was the same in both endings. So that wasn't any different. Yeah, I thought Michael Shore or somebody made a comment in that live blog that it wouldn't have changed what happened, but the alternate ending might have changed how they got there. Right, yeah, that's what I was talking about. So... Uh, yeah, uh, definitely Karen is a loose end, and w that's one of those things that I guess they're going to have to tell us in the <laughs> opening monologue of season four premiere, you know, what happened yeah. to her. Because we assume, obviously we assume that she didn't get the job, um, and she still has a job with Scranton, but the fact that Jim left her there, the fact that she said that she has no place there in the office, and the fact that we said that she has no place there if she's not <laughs> Jim's girlfriend. Um, yeah. You know, obviously she's going to quit or move or, or leave or something. So even more questions to answer in season four. Well, uh, definitely, like we said, it lived up to the hype. So good stuff for me. Lots of new plot developments got me excited again for season four. So let's just go ahead and dive into the show. Now, I got this broken down into three different plot lines here. And we'll start off with the Michael and Jan plot line. Now, Michael, as we've said last week, is all but convinced that he's got the job. And as he wanders around the office, he says some final goodbyes. There they are, the accounting department. Do you think it's going to be weird working with... Jan in New York? No, not at all. I haven't talked to Jan since we broke up. Maybe you should talk to her. No, 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 no. You know what? It's a done deal. I basically have the job already. There's nothing she can do to stop it now. I already sold my condo. I'm sorry, that just doesn't make sense. Yes, I... Why, why, who gave you that advice? Yeah, Michael, you should never sell your condo. I have to buy another place. But you said you were in debt. You're not I'm sure not that you have the job. I sold it on eBay. The buyer was very motivated, as was I. It went for 80% of what I paid, sold in record time. So, Ian, my question to you is, are we going to see a, a rash of copycat house sales on eBay now <laughs> from Office <laughs> fans? Well, the market, the market is bad. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I find that hilarious. I don't know. Again, Michael's total ineptitude when it comes to money. Got 80% of what he paid, and he's quite happy with that. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, he's just so supremely confident in his ability that he thinks to get this job, that uh, it makes perfect sense, 
right? Sell the yeah. condo, no reason to have it anymore. Uh, even though when he first bought it, he was talking about how he could see his grandchildren playing out there in front of the tree and all that stuff. So uh, I guess that dream has died in Michael. Now, unfortunately, we got a little bit of that clip there that uh, since uh, Women's Appreciation, that Jan and Michael haven't talked to each other, the breakup uh, pretty clean, apparently. They haven't spoken a word. And so it comes as a bit of a shock when someone drops in. Michael. Why are you here? Uh, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Janet? I'm, good to see you. I'm great. Can we talk privately for, for a minute? I, I, don't, I don't like the way that we left things. Okay, sure. Fine. Um, why don't you wait in my office? I have some important business matters to take care of. Pam.com 10 Houston, we have a problem. What do you want me to do? Slowly and quietly gather the ladies in the conference room. Phyllis, Angela, Karen. What about Meredith? No. She's an alternate. Great carryover from Women's Appreciation. Yeah, I hope that's something that continues next season. Michael <laughs> seeking counsel with his ladies, you know. Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting, I guess. I, I, I was asking, like, would Angela really want to help Michael give advice I don't know but but yeah it was kind of a cool plot line and since I liked that episode so much it was good to see it kind of returned and uh, <laughs> you know I guess if he stays with Jan like you said you know there's going to be a lot of opportunities for <laughs> for crazy behavior especially when she's up there with their stretch pants and <laughs> <laughs> I did like too how uh, he reacted when he first saw Jan you know like he just, <laughs> why even a filter there why yeah, are you here? No, I, I just I like that little touch where he's like Janet. <laughs> like we've never heard that ever in three seasons, and when I heard that, it was kind of like oh snap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, great, great physical acting by Carell too, because he as soon as she walks in, I mean, he's just his eyes are all over the place. He doesn't look at her. I don't think dead on at all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He's just so afraid. That well, I know he doesn't she, later, but yeah, she's so afraid that she's gonna manipulate him somehow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He's just scared witless. So, what does Jan want exactly? She wants to get back together. What are you gonna do? I don't know. That's why you're here. Help me. Would you want to get back together? With no, her? no. What do I do? Just don't get back together with her. What if she makes me? How can she make you get back together with she her? She made me do a lot of things I didn't want to do. This was a terrible relationship. <laughs> Just go in there and be strong. You are absolutely right. I need to go in there and tell her that we can't be together. Right. If we could talk about a way to approach a possible reconciliation. Let's get back together. I'll tell you this. This is not because of the boob job. That would be shallow. And this is the opposite of shallow. This is emotionally magnificent. Guess we're getting back together. What happened? Your advice was good, but Jan's was bigger. I love that scene, and that's just like we've been saying all along, that Michael is just this... When it comes down to it, he's just this socially retarded 14-year-old boy. And... I'm not sure job, even a, a, a 34 to 44-year-old man could have uh, <laughs> withstood what is a very powerful thing in our culture. That was some massive, massive cleavage from Jan. She busted out both barrels there. and It was impressive acting. By again, if you remember, and, and I guess you can argue that, well, it was only two episodes ago, but still, it had that was one of the exact things on Michael's con list about Jan. <laughs> yeah. The fact that she had shrunken chesticles. <laughs> So now that she's got the uh, bigger cup size, Michael is all enthralled, and they show him in the office, like, 
helping them, <laughs> grabbing onto him. Oh wow, those yeah, are great. Help of uh, like Tom Hanks and Big, where he's. <laughs> Elizabeth Perkins for the first time. Maybe, you know, he was concerned about Jan's well-being, you know. <laughs> exams are important. Exactly. Um, so, for, uh, <laughs> breast mammograms. cancer awareness and everything. Yeah, like yeah. That. Okay, so exactly. I think I was very conscious of Michael <laughs> to uh, take that kind of interest in Jan's health. Oh, man. Well, and like we said, your advice was good, but Jan's was bigger. <laughs> so Michael gets himself sucked right back in and I don't have that on the clip but he had that speech then where he's like you know what two weeks ago I was in the worst relationship of my life <laughs> and now I'm in the best relationship of my life with the same exact woman <laughs> what does he say love is a mystery <laughs> it's too bad we don't have a uh, audio uh, equivalent of Jan standing by the water cooler oh man uh, yeah that was crazy that was uh, that was so <laughs> impressive again Impressive acting by Laura Hardy. Yeah, some impressive wonder bra or something, some kind of prosthetic. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever they had there, it was uh, it was quite quite obvious that she was quite Special large. effects are an amazing thing. Exactly. And she was strutting around the office, like you said. All the <laughs> all the guys were uh, at least Andy was slack jawed as she sat there and like picked a little piece of lint off her shirt or whatever she was doing. Um, now, what did the other people in the office think of Jan's boob job? I would never do that. Waste of money. In my experience, guys are way more attracted to the back of you than to the front. I love fake boobs. Oftentimes you find them on strippers. I find it offensive. Au natural, baby. That's how I like them. Swing low, sweet chariots. Okay, you gotta get the Creed line in there. <laughs> That was a great line. Yeah, that was a great line. And the fact that we've been talking about the, you know, that idea that Creed's being overused this season, uh, the last five, six episodes, that does not still take away from the fact that that was a pretty pretty classic line. Even Meredith's line I thought was really funny, too. <laughs> uh, Jan's breaths really just kind of just add joy to the whole process. <laughs> you know, the, the lines are funnier. Exactly. You know, I'm sure the next day the sun was Air brighter. Air smells sweeter. Food probably tasted better. You, <laughs> you know, know, this is the thing, I, and this might seem kind of weird bring this up right now, but one, you know, one of the things that we've kind of been, again, commenting on, criticizing this season is the fact that they've spent so much time out of the office. And I feel like this episode, especially the, you know, with the Dwight and everyone else, this was, again, a perfect episode where they were in the office just doing kind of mundane things. And even, you know, the fact that somebody comes in with a breast job, you know, hours of entertainment in the office. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, just think about what, what a powder keg that would throw into your work environment, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, unless people think we're getting a little obsessed, uh, let's move on to the next clip here. Now, um, and again, man, this is... That's I, an important story development. Don't <laughs> discount it. Yeah, I know. Um, this la This next part I thought was just awesome. <laughs> This is just so Michael, as we've been saying again all season, that everything he does, he does based on TV and movies, and everything in his reality is based on what he sees elsewhere. So it makes perfect sense for him to say goodbye. Hey, everybody. Starting tomorrow, Dwight Schrute will be running the branch. So without further ado, I would like to start saying my goodbyes. Okay. Good night. And good luck. 
I just thought that was awesome. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid Natalie Merchant song. He like puts his little tape recorder on and then walks out. <laughs> it reminded me of that Seinfeld episode, you know, where George, you know, leave him wanting more. I'm out. <laughs> So, yeah, Michael has his grand exit <laughs> with his theme music in the background. And he waits till it gets right to the exact right point before he starts to go. <laughs> like he'd practiced it all along. Now, once they get to the corporate office, Michael just, everything that happens, he's convinced that he has this thing locked. Um, when he's there, you know, before, when he, in the cold open, I guess, when he comes to uh, New York a day early... Uh, even then, he gets the confidence. You know, he's like, Who, who's got the best sales? Who's the best, you know, this? Who's, who'd you pick to run those two branches? So he gives us that big grin, and the secretary gives him a little knowing nod and all that kind of stuff. So he feeling supremely confident. And, in fact, I don't know, man. What did you think about that stuff? Were you surprised that, at the fact that everyone was so complimentary? Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, you know, if, if what, how do they know Michael? They know him based on his numbers, right? True. So, so and that's, that, that's, that's what would matter the most. And once they I mean, actually talk to him. Look at what, how they, yeah, I mean, look how they ended up hiring somebody based on what, you know? So they don't know Michael as a, well, they do know Michael as a personality, but. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll get to that clip in just a second. But I, I, I find this, this next clip kind of funny that when Michael's sitting there in the office with Jim and Karen, he can't help but, but show off. How are you guys doing? Need anything? Uh, no, we're good. Thanks. I have been here a bunch of times, so I know where everything is, know everybody's names. If you need to know somebody's name, just ask me. What's that? That is Beardy. <laughs> I am by far the most qualified person they're interviewing. Jim and Karen are here, which is cute. They're like kid actors tagging along with Daddy on the big audition, hoping to be discovered. Except Daddy is the best actor around. Daddy is Meryl Streep. I just think that that first, I don't know, for whatever reason, when he's like, who's that guy? And he's like, oh, that's Beardy. <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up so much. But, uh, you know, again, Michael is supremely, supremely confident. Well, plus he's trying to psych out Jim and Karen a little bit there in the, in the waiting room. Yeah, and unfortunately they, they try to, <laughs> they don't really have it. They play back at him, and uh, Michael sort of... Well, Jim always yeah, calls him out on Beardy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... As you said, Michael tries to psych out the competition. Um, and also, like you said, he looks really damn good on paper. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, when he gets into the interview and he has to actually say something, it sort of all <laughs> falls apart. Hello, hello. Michael, good to see you. I've been meaning to thank you, by the way. You didn't lose a single customer in the merger, and you still managed to trim the budget? That is nice work. So, what do you think your greatest strengths as a manager? Why don't I tell you what my greatest weaknesses are? I work too hard, I care too much, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. And your strengths? Well, my weaknesses are actually strengths. Yes. Very good. There you go. What do you think we could be doing better? I've never been a big fan of the name Dunder Mifflin. Okay. Okay. Thanks for coming in, Michael. Thank you. So, oh, before I forget, I wanted to let you know if you hadn't already heard, uh, Jan and I are back together. You're back together? Yes, and I'm very excited about the prospect of working under her. Okay, well, uh, I thought it was clear in the description of the position, the job you're applying for is Jan's job. No, we're letting Jan go. Let's start with that now. Did that come as a surprise? Because I know it really surprised me. I guess I didn't see that coming. No, no. 
It didn't. I mean, it it made everything kind of click. At first, I thought that kind of was, was kind of straining believability for me, but of course, Michael is that, that clueless. I mean, he wouldn't put that necessarily put that together as Wallace was describing the position for him. But it did. That that had occurred to me at some point. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I'll admit that I had no. <laughs> No guess that that was coming, so it was a little bit of a shock. Let's go back and talk about the the stuff at the beginning again. Like he, he looks really good on paper, man. He's uh, didn't lose a single customer in the merger. <laughs> Trimmed that budget <laughs> by having all those people quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, <laughs> who was it? That, maybe it was you who brought up the fact that the you know, this whole watermark thing was was uh, kept uh, under wraps. Yeah, that was one of the. I, I wanted to bring that up because. You know, we sort of talked about it at the time, how that watermark thing would be a really huge deal. And uh, it would be like national news, and it would probably be, you know, this really big, big embarrassing deal. But the writers of the show, they took the opposite tack, that it wouldn't be a big deal, that nobody would really care. Um, And, yeah, my only defense to that is that it didn't affect the sales because uh, he had his numbers from last quarter and, uh, yeah. and the watermark was from this quarter. So <laughs> maybe when they get the new, <laughs> the new report, it's like, Oh, I see you lost a uh, hundred clients <laughs> on one day. What the hell? No, I just find no, that, that doesn't am- make sense. Yeah. I find that amusing that all, that all those people quit, uh, from the Stanford office. And I'm assuming that then the, the people remaining had to do all their work, but no one really seems to be working all that hard. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Dwight's doing it all. I guess they said that Karen said that Dwight had this massive client list. Michael's answer in the interview, by the way, about his uh, weaknesses <laughs> being his strength, for some reason, struck me as kind of Dwight-like an answer. Actually, <laughs> it's one of those lame-ass things. Like everybody thinks is good advice. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Maybe like 20 years ago, people used to say that. Um, you know, if somebody asks you your greatest weakness, say something like, well, "I care too much," or. I work too hard, <laughs> you know, something stupid like that. And at this point, though, I think it's gotten to be such a cliche that, uh, you know, in the newer interview books, if you read any of that stuff, it talks about, you know, never, never ever say that <laughs> in an interview. Yeah, Michael, you know, if he actually would have talked kind of straightforward about what his uh, strengths are, I think he does have a lot of strengths, actually, as a manager. But he was too concerned with playing that game, I guess. Yeah, you know? it, it also it wouldn't have been as funny, but like when he was asked, you know, what can Dunder Mifflin do better? I mean, I, I was kind of thinking of everything uh, that happened toward the end of the business school episode where he and Ryan are in the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's talking about, you know, how business is personal and... Mm-hmm. And, and things like that, you know, maybe taking a more personal touch with clients. I mean, I, that wouldn't have been funny. Right, but. and that's, see, that's kind of the thing that we go back and forth, and, and some of the times when we, we sort of nitpick plot lines is that, you know, how Michael acts from episode to episode. Um, sometimes he'll say some totally brilliant thing like that, uh, and other times he'll say super-duper paper. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a little weak. Um, his big ideas were changing the name of the company, so I... And you could just see right there, I mean, Wallace didn't really say anything, but you could just sense that he's like, okay, <laughs> this guy is useless. Yeah. And um, one of the defenses that I have for people that say, you know, oh, how did Ryan get the job? That's ridiculous. He doesn't have any sales experience. He didn't make a sale. I'm betting that Ryan had one hell of an answer for that question, what can we do differently? I'm guessing that, you know, his business school training and all that stuff, he probably had a lot of new ideas, a lot of kind of innovative things to say. And oh yeah. If nothing else, I'm, that's probably how we got the job. You know, 
Uh, I totally agree. Ryan, we'll, we will see. I can only imagine, man. Again, there's another avenue for uh, interesting possibilities that he's going to have all these newfangled business techniques and stuff that Michael is going to be just really resentful of having to use all these college boy tactics. Oh, yeah, man. it could be a, a good parody of uh, a lot of new school thinking. <laughs> there you go. The mind just boggles. So I, I, I think that's a really exciting, exciting plot line. But let's let's keep going on here. Now, as as was mentioned, of course, this is Jan's job you're applying for, and Michael. Well, <laughs> I like that line. She says, "I'll give you a recommendation," and he says, "Yeah, you better do it sooner than later." <laughs> And I don't know whether Michael said something or whether she just figured it out or not, but Jan is not going to take it lying down. Son of a bitch. Jan, this isn't the time. You're firing me? Where the hell do you get off? Frankly, it's overdue. Your behavior in the last two years has been completely erratic. Erratic? Recently, you don't even show an interest in your work. You go to Scranton far more often than you do. Is it because of these? Whoa, hey, whoa, Jan. I want to know. I want to know because if it is, then, then... then I will see you in court, because he likes them. The time has come for you to end your professional relationship with this company. You are clearly unstable. Hey, you're unstable. Yeah. No, we're all unstable. Okay, some, you know what? I'm just everybody. not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. David, I did not tell her. I love that moment there where Michael sort of tries to defend her. <laughs> hey, you're unstable. <laughs> I don't know why that instantly... sort of retort always... Uh, Cracks me up, you but know. he instantly backs down. Yeah, he instantly backs down. He's like, well, I, I, we're all unstable, uh, you know. He still wants that job more than he wants Jan, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, lots of craziness in there. And I mean, have we, as a as a viewer of the show, I mean, have we seen that much craziness out of Jan the last two years? Do you think, or is that uh, all behind this the season? Scenes? This season, yeah, I think so. I think we've seen it. Her become a little erratic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that whole thing with acting crazy and the Jamaica Jan. Again, they didn't bring up the Jamaica Jan Sun Princess photo, which I, I think mean, and we just learned what a mess she is. <laughs> that it's was kind of difficult to imagine that manifesting itself in some aspect. I guess I asked that because it, so much of that seems like it was behind the scenes that it almost mm-hmm. kind of came. It, on the one hand, you could say, well, it kind of came out of nowhere that she's this total crazy nutball that she sits around and just does online shopping all day but I, on the other hand it, i mean it, with the events of this season it definitely makes a lot more sense can we trace jan's downfall to her involvement with michael scott oh yes i'm sure we can <laughs> this is a moment right here that i'm going to play that i think it really made the episode for me in a way because you can argue i guess you can say that you know what's the big deal about this scene but it sets the tone where michael even though he does stupid things, and even though he's sort of a incompetent person, it does not take away his dignity. So I am gonna give her a ride home. Let me know about the job. Actually, Michael, I think we're gonna take it in another direction. Good, I'm glad we're on the same page. I have a lot of ideas for new directions. No, we're not giving you the job. You know what, that is actually good because um, I don't think I could take my girlfriend's job. So, I respectfully withdraw my name from consideration. Do you accept my withdrawal? I do. Good. Very good. I am glad we are finally on the same page. Still have my job in Scranton now. Yes. Good. That's all I ever wanted. Again, to kind of reiterate my point, I was trying to explain this to you before, that I don't like to see Michael humiliated, and the best episodes of The Office for me are where he 
at the end, he somehow redeems himself or he retains a little bit of his dignity. And I really like the fact that this character of Wallace is sort of a cool guy. I mean, he's a nice guy because he could have easily shredded Michael, you know, to the bone and really just kind of took away every last little scrap of dignity that the guy had. But he actually steps back and he allows Michael to keep that dignity. He allows him to do his, you know, I'll withdraw my name. So it's not like, it's not like, well, we're not giving you the job. It's like he withdrew his name. So he can, you know, after all his bragging and boasting, he can sort of still live with himself. And I could see it played out in a different way where the boss character, like I said, would be, you know, oh, what are you talking about? Who cares? You know, I already told you you didn't get the job. That kind of stuff. Um, small point. I wonder if some of that had to do with the. I wonder if some of that had to do with the setting, though. I mean, they're out in the lobby. There are other people around. Um, so maybe he was. At least, you're right. At least he was still thinking of uh, preserving Michael's dignity to some extent, just in front of the people in that room. Right. Yeah, I, and I like that character. We we've only seen him a couple of times, but he's actually you know like a really <laughs> kind of interesting character. So I wonder if we're going to see any more of him next season at all I'd like uh, to I, um, as I said to you before we started recording I mean even just sitting in the interviews with him I was thinking yeah you know uh, having an interview with this guy would actually be fun you know yeah seems like a pretty cool laid back guy uh, well and that's like I said Michael's allowed to keep some of his dignity and this part of the episode again talk about potential plot developments for season 4 uh, I don't even know where to start with this what am I going to do? Well, I guess you could come and save my condo. I think I could back out of the sale. Probably get some negative feedback on my eBay profile. Let's live together. Actually, wait a minute. This could be great. This could be perfect. You know, my full-time job could be our relationship. I could wear stretch pants and wait for you to come home at 515. <laughs> it could work. This could work, really. How scary <laughs> is that? Oh, the look on Michael's face said it all. Uh, no, I love I love that whole that whole scene and you know Michael's line about getting negative feedback on uh, eBay and <laughs> the whole idea of wearing stretch pants and waiting for him to come straight home. Yeah, um, Jan yeah, has that could whole... be another thing. Yeah, I mean this relationship between Jan and Michael. I mean that could be another thing where you know three months later we find out oh, it didn't work out and. <laughs> Jan's like a manager at Staples or something like that. Yeah, you know? that's true. Maybe we're, you know, we're taking a lot that of stuff. That would be disappointing. But. We're taking a lot of this stuff sort of at face value, and that's one of the things that I guess you could say it's a criticism of the way that the office deals with passage of time. Uh, but, you know, they always kind of keep real time. So if they skip a couple months, then in, in the show they've skipped a couple months. Uh, they always kind of skip that period from May till September, uh, on the show, so yeah, we have a lo- actually a lot of time now before we get back into the season four. So, are we going to skip those four months? Uh, are they going to just kind of tell us in flashback what happened? I feel kind of you know if that's the case, I-, I hope that we see some of these things still around. I hope so too. I don't know if uh, you know domestic Jane Levinson could be sustained over more than a couple episodes, but right. Yeah, gag. <laughs> I don't know. I I just like to see, I guess, one episode. See how that works out, man. You know, maybe all it does need is a talking head of Michael just saying how much of a disaster it was, or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's all we need. But still, I'd like to see. Well, it also goes. It goes to what you were saying before uh, about Jim and Pam. You know, how much of these characters' personal lives do we actually see? You know. Speaking of that, again, while we're talking about that, let's bring that up. I'm not sure if I said this before or not, but. 
Yeah, I, you know, I think like a lot of us, we've been waiting for so long to sort of see the Jim and Pam romance kind of develop, and I don't know how I'm going to feel if they skip all that stuff. I don't know how I'm going to feel if they skip those three, four months and just kind of dive into where they are. Because I think, I'm wondering if a lot of people are going to be disappointed uh, thinking that, oh, they're just hanging out in the office now. Aren't they going to go on their date? Aren't they going to do this? Uh, we, I mean, we've followed them outside of the office a couple of times, but that's definitely not been the focus of the show, so yeah, will maybe we a little see? Bit. I mean, I, I, there's no reason to think we won't get, you know, prank calling Jim and Sam. Uh, I mean, I guess we could have an episode, maybe we have, you know, Michael and, and Jan have a party at their house, or see how yeah, that, that would goes. be great, and then Jan is the one who's, like, in charge of food and everything, entertaining. <laughs> there you go. And she's a disaster. Oh, good lord. Well... Let's wrap this up, the Michael plotline here. Michael then, as uh, Kevin Nealon says, he's back. How'd it go? Everybody, may I have your attention, please? It is with great honor that I announce to you, I have officially withdrawn my name for consideration from the corporate job. Why is my office black? To intimidate my subordinates. That's stupid. Sandy's idea? You shouldn't have taken it. Bad management. Good thing I'm back. So I'm back, and I am never, ever going to leave. I am going nowhere. Back to work. Still waiting on that coffee. We briefly touched on that before, but I mean, is that is that depressing? The words, if you just hear the words, they seem like very, very depressing. <laughs> I'm going nowhere. I'm here forever. This place, he even says, you know, this place is like my hospital, my <laughs> old folks' home, my graveyard where they'll bury my bones. Well, I've never stuff. really seen Michael as, as somebody who wants to leave, you know. So I, in that scene, I took it more, again, I saw it through the, uh, the other worker's eyes, like, oh, no, this guy really is never leaving. <laughs> we are stuck with this guy. It, for some reason, it just didn't occur to me to, to look at it through Michael's eyes. Yeah, I guess. Because on the one hand, I mean, he really, as we said before, you know, we talked about this last week, would he really be so happy to leave this place that he's come to see as his, his kingdom, you know, his family and everything else. And, and maybe for him that's not depressing to think that he's there forever. <laughs> I don't know. No, it, it's, um, but, you know, I've, I'm sure you've had circumstances in your life where you thought, you know, you had come to a decision or come to a point in your life and you... You know, you've made a decision, and you think, okay, there's no turning back, and then, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you do have to turn back. And it can be kind of a tough uh, development to swallow, you know? Yeah. Uh, changing your life and then being stuck in a job that you can't stand, I, I can't really relate to that either. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, uh, no. But uh, seriously, yeah. Um, so there we go. And as we said before, though, even though the office workers might be a little depressed that he's there forever, I mean, they had a taste. They had a taste of what the other candidate might be. You know, they had, they saw the worse, the bigger of two evils with Dwight and someone else taking over. So, at this mm -hmm. point, they might be happy to have Michael back. Yeah, Michael doesn't look so bad all of a sudden. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's pretty much it for the Michael plotline. Let's take a look at the Dwight plotline. And as we saw last week, I mean. Really, during beach games, no candidates really rose to the challenge to uh, to take over for Michael as he left. Um, you know, Dwight basically immolated himself on the coals. Uh, Michael was disgusted by that. But in any case, the time comes for Michael to pick his successor. The time has come to name my own replacement. 
please hand this letter of congratulations to Dwight K. Schrute. But that's my name. Dwight, congratulations, A-Wipe. Don't screw the pooch. Ah. Thank you, Michael. Okay. Stop crying. Thank you. Uh. And just like last week, I've never yeah, looked like that. Your enthusiasm is turning people off. Yeah. Uh, Michael, again, uncomfortable in any sign of emotion, and uh, Dwight has just wanted this for much too long. So <laughs> Michael leaves in disgust, and Dwight wastes really no time in setting up his little kingdom. And we get a little return to that kind of uh, Lady Macbeth vibe from the coup episode here. How would you oh, like yeah. to spend the night with the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin Scranton? No, Dwight. I don't care if that's how they consolidated power in ancient Rome. No, no, not, not Michael. Me. I'm taking his job. Not now. Goodbye, Kelly Kapoor. I like that everyone just got in for <laughs> Kelly this episode. <laughs> oh, oh, that man. was such a funny little throwaway line there. I know. I, maybe that's lingering uh, hatred from the customer service debacle during the watermark. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I like that line, that whole line, though. I don't care how they consolidated power in ancient Rome. <laughs> uh, as if that topic has come up before, that Angela should sleep with Michael. <laughs> Dwight is all ready to go. Uh, his queen is already has the wheels turning on uh, who she can be in charge of, if she's going to be in charge of the women this time or not, I don't know. But she's already dreaming of axing Kelly. And, you know, let me bring that up, because at this point, especially in this episode, I mean, we've kind of been talking about Andy. Is Kelly getting too annoying? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, obviously I know that that's her point, is to be sort of annoying, but she basically called, you know insulted Pam, got dumped by Ryan at the end. It was basically just an annoying one-dimensional character. And it's kind of weird because, you know, like we said, she started out in season one being this really kind of buttoned up, you know, no-nonsense kind of person. And then slowly over season two and three, she's really become this super annoying pop culture princess airhead kind of thing. Um, do we still have room to grow? I think they used her just right, though. Yeah, uh, room to grow. Um, yeah. Um, with this Ryan development, I think so, definitely. All right, well, we will, I guess, like I said, we'll just have to see how she handles the breakup. Of course, now that Dwight's in charge, he needs a number two. Who does he think, again, would be his ideal candidate? Well, the choice is clear. I am going to be your new boss. <laughs> it's my greatest dream come true. Welcome to the Hotel Hell. Check-in time is now. Check-out time is never. Does my room have cable? No. And the sheets are made of fire. Once I'm officially regional manager, my first order of business will be to demote Jim Halpert. So I will need a new number two. My ideal choice? Jack Bauer. But he is unavailable. Fictional. And overqualified. I'm glad that he realizes that he is fictional. So... Uh... <laughs> That that kind of toned it down a little bit from like how ridiculous of an answer I guess that could have been. The fact that he does acknowledge that it's an impossible choice, but still. Yeah, did save what was kind of a dumb line, I thought. <laughs> but yeah, that whole thing where he's kind of uh, messing with Jim and, and 
Jim messes back with them, you know, like, oh, you're you're not even the manager in your own fantasy. I don't know. <laughs> $80,000 a year. Of course, the only person that signs up to be interviewed for the number two position is our good friend, Andrew. Time to begin the interview process. Andrew Bernard. I am going to begin this process with a simple test of intelligence and mental dexterity. What is the best color? White. Wrong. Black. It is the most dominant. What is the capital of Maine? Capital of Maine is Montpelier, Vermont, which is near Ithaca, New York, where I went to Cornell. Moratorium on Cornell Talk. Forget your personal history and learn the history of this company. You're not off to a very good start, Bernard. <clears throat> Time! No, you failed. Damn it! This interview is over. I'll let you know. <laughs> now, I got a question for you. Do you think that they were improving all those answers? Yeah, I think so. I, I I love the line about the Cornell thing because he you know, he throws that out all the time. Um, were they improv? Yeah, probably. Because they were kind of they were like so ridiculous. I I just kind of wondered, you know, were they doing alternate takes, doing improv answers for the questions? Because uh, for the record, by the way, the capital of Maine is Augusta, uh, and I actually went to the Capitol building there. <laughs> Uh, why he would think the capital of Maine is Montpelier, Vermont? <laughs> uh, my guess was going to be Bangor. Bangor. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I mean Montpelier, Vermont <laughs> is the capital of Maine. All right, Andy. That Cornell education didn't really serve him too well in geography. But I just, I love that thing at the end too, where they're arm wrestling <laughs> for <laughs> the job, and, and Andy's about to pin Dwight down, and he like goes, "Oh, time." <laughs> what better test of one's metal? Yeah, and Andy gets he's like, damn it! <laughs> you know, this is the thing, man. Uh, he's so happy then when we come back and he has gotten the job. You know, he's Dwight's lackey. And uh, let me, I mean, what the hell, dude? <laughs> I understand chewing big league chew, but, but spitting big league chew? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Never had that happen before. Interesting little twist. I wonder if they really wanted him to do tobacco or something, but he wouldn't do it. That's know. a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I that reminded me of being a little kid, you know, trying to look like a ball player with a big league <laughs> chew, shoving it in your cheek, but the yeah. you know, spitting part. Right in the best boss mug, too. That's, that's got to hurt. Uh, and Andy's so proud of himself to be washing out Dwight's mug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look where I am now. You know, now this, this next part kind of starts off what I like the best about the Dwight plotline, actually, uh, is that interaction with, with Pam. And unlike a lot of other people in the office, Dwight comes to Pam with some respect. You showed great leadership potential at the coal walk, even if you did follow it with that embarrassing personal confession. Thank you. I had to make Andy my number two. It's political. I want you to be assistant regional manager. Really? Well, in a sense, although publicly I am going to retain the assistant regional manager position. You will be your own assistant. Correct. I need someone I can trust. But I would also like the title to be secretly applied to you. Do you accept? Absolutely, I do. See, that's pure gold right there. I mean, just the fact that he does respect her, though. I mean, that's the thing. He offers her a job, as silly as it is. He comes to her and recognizes that she has some like you said, has the medal to, uh, to be assistant to the regional manager secretly. And again, like I said, I just, I loved her playing with him in this episode. The fact yeah. that she was so, 
you know, that Pam that we had never seen before, that kind of dominant, uh, take charge sort of person there. And we get a lot of those little lines, like Jim says, if Dwight ever asks you for a secret, say, absolutely, I do. And all those kind of references to Jim to let us know that she's thinking about him. And she's still, you know, she's doing her own thing, holding her own, and uh, dives right in to her role. Now, it also speaks to D- Dwight's um, savvy in a little bit. You know, we, we talk, we've talked a lot of times, too, about how the character is alternately dumb yet good mm-hmm. at his job. I mean, it shows he has a good sense of, you know, just how important Pam is to that. Yeah, and <laughs> the whole thing is just so ridiculous that, again, that, you know, the, the, the structure will be me as the manager and then me as the assistant regional <laughs> manager, and then Andy as number two, and then Pam as the secret assistant regional manager. Oh, no, let's make that assistant to the regional manager. This, again, straight out of the Business 101 textbook, How to Motivate Your Employees. This is a shroot buck. When you have done something good, you will receive one shroot buck. 1,000 shroot bucks equals an extra five minutes for lunch. What is the cash value of a shroot buck? Excellent question, Pam. One one hundredth of a cent. So 10,000 of your dollars is worth one real dollar? Just zip your lid. <laughs> Stanley, you have earned one shroot buck. I don't want it. Then you have been deducted 50 shroot bucks. Make it 100. Don't you want to earn shroot bucks? No. In fact, I'll give you a billion Stanley Nichols if you never talk to me again. What's the ratio of Stanley Nichols to shroot bucks? The same as the ratio of unicorns to leprechauns. Oh, Stanley, snap! I feel bad for Dwight in that scene. Yeah, he comes in. He's so hurt. Don't you want to earn shroot bucks? (laughs) Yeah. I know. You you do got to kind of feel sorry for him. And and, and that's the thing. I mean, it's so... not a bad system, but I mean, like we said before, a thousand shoot bucks for five minutes at lunch. Uh, I can only imagine that would take you uh, a couple of years to earn a thousand shoot bucks if. But think of how sweet that <laughs> lunch break would be at the end of those two years. <laughs> All right. Well, in any case, it doesn't work. And and again, right there in in uh, the meeting, then that takes place where Dwight's giving his lecture on the history of paper and uh, the different soil samples and all that stuff. Again, we see, you know, we see Pam in a way that we've never seen her all season yelling, you know, Hey, let's listen to Dwight's presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dwight gives her a big wink. And then Oscar's like, what are you winking for? Zip your lid. And he has to say, yeah, zip your lid. <laughs> After Dwight is dethroned again by Michael's return, uh, he is still a class act, and he goes to thank those who supported him. Pam, hello. Dwight, hello. I wanted to thank you for helping me when you held the title of secret assistant to the regional manager. You served the office with great dignity. Um... (laughs) And then they end that off with, of course, the the salute back and forth. Um, Strangely touching scene, I thought. Yeah, again, it kind of goes back to some of those other times that we've seen Pam and Dwight interact. Uh, You know, maybe like in the injury when they are sort of friends for a little while Mm -hmm. (laughs) with Dwight's concussion and uh, and some of those other things. So I don't know. I'm wondering if we'll see more of that next season. And you know what? Those. Let me ask you this now. I mean, was that a prank, her doing that kind of stuff? Or uh, what was that? I think there was definitely some smart aleck uh, motivation behind that. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, it didn't seem totally, you know, 
I don't know. It seemed. Well, I guess maybe it she seemed, sensed how earnest Dwight was being in that moment. Because you know, if, if that was a prank, at least it was a prank that. Well, no. If it was, that's the thing though. If it was a prank, Dwight never realized that he was being pranked. So, I mean, really, it wasn't a prank because he wasn't hurt by it. He actually felt very touched that Pam would help him in his quest. So, I don't know. Kind of a nice moment. Hopefully, we'll see a little more of those. I don't really want to get back into season four with the same thing we've seen with moving his desk in the bathroom and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested in seeing kind of where they take that next year if uh, both Jim and Pam are back in the office working together. And that, of course, leads us into our final plot line, the Pam and Jim and Karen plot line. One would say the very heart of the season finale. As we said then, this is all about that kind of choice that resolution of the love triangle that we've that we've seen all year so far and before we start listening to this again um if if i could criticize this in the slightest way i mean it seemed to me that they really went out of their way this episode to make karen seem like a total bitch i agree that was a big problem i had too in fact at first i wasn't enjoying this episode because i thought or a little worried that that's how they were going to go you know just make her hateable and just make this thing easy yeah. for everyone. Um, that's just something that I felt if they were going to do that, it would have been better served. Again, kind of spaced throughout the season, <laughs> or get a little, you know, a few more examples of that. Right. I mean, I think I think that they've sort of been building that up the last few weeks a little bit. Um, but yeah, in this episode, I mean, there was really a lot of a lot of things to hate about Karen, and it, you know, it's quite easy uh, insulting. Uh, other people in the office insulting Pam, uh, you know, making Jim get haircuts, all kinds of crazy stuff. Also, though, I mean, it was her changing character, as much as I didn't like it, well, maybe it wasn't a changing character, just a, uh, showing that side of her a little bit more. I mean, it was believable in lieu of what happened in the previous episode. Right. Uh, after the, like you said, after the big speech during beach games, yeah, I mean, that put her on edge, I guess, put her on the defensive uh, if anything, though, there, I mean, when, when she gives her speech kind of about the fact that they can't really stay in Scranton, it sort of redeemed the character just a little bit for me. Because mm-hmm. you can imagine then that it, it, it must be really frustrating to, to be in that position, you know, where yeah. that other person is always there and you're always wondering about what's going to happen. So well, let's go ahead and get it started off. And uh, it starts off with, as I said, a haircut. Karen suggested that I get a haircut for the interview tomorrow so that I could look presentable and not, as she so lovingly puts it, homeless. Hey, I think it looks great. Thanks, Pam. After I had my little outburst at the beach, Jim was really nice about it. He just basically said that he missed my friendship too and I would always mean a lot to him. For the record, I am not embarrassed at all. It needed to be said and I said it. And it only took me three years to summon the courage. So, thank you. She's so damn adorable in this episode, I gotta say. <laughs> so it only took her three years to summon the courage, and yeah, thank God that she finally did say something there. And again, there's our first setup. Uh, she said, I look like a homeless person. Uh, Kevin starts it off by saying, wow, you look much worse <laughs> than normal. Actually, I like uh, Meredith's uh, reaction much better. <laughs> Yeah, I like how Jim just totally ignores her. No, that's I'm not something I would that. like to see. That's something I would have liked to see more of. You know, just like <laughs> Meredith being kind of like, 
predatory and making other men in the office uncomfortable. Feel, yeah, you know? feel really, really uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah, and maybe with some of the, lo- you know, if we have more longer episodes, maybe we'll get more of her character in there. But, yeah, definitely <laughs> we have, you know, Karen telling Jimmy looks like he's homeless, Pam reinforcing the fact that uh, he looks great. So we're already off to, you know, Karen zero, Pam one here at the beginning of the episode. Now, this at this point right here, I mean, really, if you were ever on the fence, if you were ever on Team Karen, here's the one line that was designed to dump her right in the gutter. Hey, hey, um, about the beach. It's okay, we all say things without thinking. Oh, no, it's not that. I've actually been thinking that for a long time, and I'm glad I said it. I just am sorry if it made you feel weird. Oh, okay. Hey, um, before I leave tonight, would you mind making a half a dozen copies of Jim's and my sales report for interviews tomorrow? Uh, sure. Thanks. I really hope you get the job. Pam is kind of a bitch. How dare you say such a thing, Karen Filippelli? Uh, is Pam a bitch, Ian? No. <laughs> uh, well, from Karen's point of view, is Pam a bitch? In the, in that break room scene? Uh, no, just in, in, in the last, like... I don't know, just the fact that what she said at the beach and all that other stuff. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, I guess I kind of don't know how to answer that because, yeah. I suppose, yeah. You know, like I said, I, well, I'm just trying to get into that. You know, from her point of view, I guess, yeah, Pam is someone who's really She's a messing, threat. Up, messing up her relationship, I guess. But yeah, I mean, really, once she said that, <laughs> once you say that about our fancy new Beasley, you're out the door. Well, how does the rest of the office react to Pam's big emotional speech. Hey, Pam, I've been meaning to say something to you. I really miss our friendship. (laughs) 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 Very funny. I've never heard you talk that much. I thought it was Kelly. Are you kidding? I would never have done that. It was pathetic, though. No, thanks, Pam. You know what? Don't even worry about it. Everyone was so drunk, I bet no one even remembers what you said. I remember. I blogged the whole thing www.creedthoughts.gov.www backslash creedthoughts. Check it out. <laughs> Where to start with that? You know, let's start with the ending there, the Creed thing. Again, we have another Creed line, like uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariots. But again, it was a, it's hard to hate the guy when he has such funny material. Um, this is the thing. When they started giving off that email, uh, the website address, I was mm-hmm. just thinking to myself, oh, boy, here we go. Another lame, like, you know, they're going to post some address and people are going to go there and it's going to be the wacky creed blog and then i thought it was hilarious that they you know that it wasn't no it wasn't a real blog it was a word document that ryan had set up to uh yeah yeah protect him and but then the ultimate irony is that freaking nbc.com they like ruined the joke by actually posting the blog on their web page so which uh wasn't really that funny so that was a great line. And again, some people on the blog page commented on how they thought uh, Oscar and the other people in the office were being really mean to Pam. And that was kind of mean, but th- that sort of thing would happen in an office. You know? Yeah, but you know, maybe you could say it's kind of mean, but the tone was just very friendly. I mean, I thought the tone, you know, it, it sounded like a bunch of people that had known each other for a really long time. Yeah. Just kind of ribbing each other, you know. And, and they uh, were, you know, they were surprised by, by what they saw. Yeah, and, and, you know, Pam took it good-naturedly. She's like, ah, ha, ha, whatever. So, I don't know. And, again, the, <laughs> Kelly is the only one in there who's just totally insufferable. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Pam is really getting beaten up. First she's a bitch, now she's pathetic-ville. <sighs> no offense, though, Pam. Now, as Jim and Karen and everybody get ready to leave, uh, last-minute little bit of good luck. All right, you guys. See you later. Wish us luck. Good luck. Thanks. I'm happy for him. I hope he gets the job. I really just want him to be happy. And I know that sounds cliche, and I know saying it sounds cliche sounds cliche. Maybe I'm being cliche. I don't care, because I am what I am. That's Popeye. Pam had a lot of kind of soul-searching uh, talking heads in this episode. And we sort of mentioned this before as far as the fact that, you know, we earlier in the season when Pam would say things about Jim, you know, that she was glad or she was just wanted him to be happy or that kind of stuff, that we, we obviously knew that she was full of crap. Mm-hmm. And and here, like I said before, you know, you can see that she, I, you know, she really means what she's saying here. I think at this point, you know, she just she does just want him to be happy. She does hope he gets the job. Really, I think has let that whole thing go. Once they get to New York, uh, again, we sort of have very very clearly brought home that maybe these two aren't really meant to be together. Uh, but we also get Karen sort of giving her defense about why they need to get out of town. What's going to happen with us when I get the job? Oh, do you mean when I get the job? Well, if you get the job, then I'd move here with you. Would you move with me? I'm not stupid, okay? I was at the beach. We don't have a future in Scranton. There's one too many people there. You mean Kevin? Exactly. Oh, but you get it, right? You can't stay there. Yeah, I do. Really, when you were watching this episode, did you have any doubts that uh, that Jim would return? You know, that he wouldn't return to the office, or did you? In that episode, yeah, yeah, I think there, there was some doubt as to whether he'd return because we didn't know if, how this how the episode was going to end. If it was going to end on some kind of cliffhanger, as we were talking about. Right. I mean, that's true. I guess logically, we in our mind, we you know knew. Well, he, of course, he's got to come back on the show. Still, yeah, it was a little up in the air. It did. It did seem like he was kind of um, accepting, you know, what needed, what he needed to do. Like if he was going to commit to this thing, okay. Right, and that's kind of what we've seen all all the season. And I mentioned we mentioned this before that if Jim's not really happy, he still kind of plays along like he is. Because mm-hmm. even in that scene right there, you can see that you know she gives that that speech like we've got to leave, we can't be there, and and then he sort of you know gives her a little. Yeah, okay, you know, here, take my hand, let's go. Sort of a, you know, kind of a agreeing with you sort of gesture. So mm-hmm. definitely still up in the air. Even the, even what, so. But let me ask you the same question you just asked me then. What what did you think? You know, maybe it's because of the fact, like I said, that of that cynical view that he's got to be on the show. I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I just, I, I knew in the back of my head that he had to come back somehow, that he wasn't going to be. In that episode. Well, I don't know. Maybe not in that episode, but I—I I mean, I didn't predict the ending really, but right. I sort of—I just sort of felt like, yeah, he has to come back. You know, he's going to be back. They can't do another Stanford thing again next year. So I was sort of—I I was sort of expecting him to be back, but uh, but yeah, not really the way that they set it up in the episode. So again, good job, I guess, to the writers by throwing us off the track a little bit on something that we really thought we had nailed down, you know, for sure. Since we knew that that uh, Rashida Jones wasn't coming back, oh, it seems so obvious that she's going to get the job. Ah, <laughs> uh, how, uh, 
how our perceptions are incorrect. Well, the other thing, the, the other point of the New York scenes are, again, that they sort of show the fact that these two are really not compatible, I guess. Uh, when Jim's going off on his list about the things that they did, you know, even though this is like John Krasinski, Mr. Super Stud New York actor, you know, Jim sort of had this kind of hick, you know, I'm in out of my element vibe or that Karen was really calling all the shots. You could sort of feel like maybe he wasn't uh, exactly comfortable with the whole thing. Really? That's, that's interesting because actually I, didn't, I, I felt completely the opposite. I thought watching it that he was becoming comfortable with it. And mm. you could see that, you know, actually maybe they do make a decent couple. Well, yeah, I guess. It's kind of funny how we see it from two different angles, I guess. And then what you, you, know, what you mentioned about them kind of arguing in front of the grocery store, I mean, I just thought it was kind of playful banter that, you know, that couples do. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it was Lauren Michaels. That wasn't Lauren Michaels. Oh, come yeah. on. Pam would have said it was Lauren Michaels. <laughs> Curse you, yeah, look, Everyone assumed, too, that that was Lauren Michaels who walked behind him there. I there. know. We have a, there's a lot of, like, crazy speculation on that ending, i got to say. Um, uh, again, back in Scranton, Pam sort of opines on what's going on. No, I don't know what the future holds, but... I'm optimistic, and uh, I had fun goofing around with Dwight today. Jim and I are just too similar. Maybe one day I'll find my own Karen. But you know, that is a, um, you know, not a man, a man version. But uh, until then, I can hold my head up. I'm not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little, uh, maybe a little too defensive there, Pammy, but yeah, we, we know what you're talking about. So at that point, I mean, that's kind of the line, again, like I said, where she's sort of, you know, she's made peace with the fact that she might not ever be together with Jim. And she, like you said, she can hold her head up regardless of what happens. And she trusts that she'll find that person that she's meant to be with, uh, which, again, makes it all the more sweet when this happens. You've been in the Scranton branch a long time. What have you liked most about that place? The friendships. We want the person who takes his position to be here for the long haul. So, where do you see yourself in 10 years? The real reason that I went to Stanford was because I wanted to be not here. I know. And even though I came back, I just feel like I've never really come back. Well, I wish you would. I haven't heard anything. But I'd bet Jim got the job. I mean, why wouldn't he? He's totally qualified and smart. Everyone loves him. And if he never comes back again, that's okay. We're friends, and I'm sure we'll stay friends. We just, we never got the timing right. I shot him down, and then he did the same to me. And But you know what? It's okay. I'm totally fine. Everything is going to be totally fine. Sorry. Um... Are you free for dinner tonight? Yes. All right. Then it's a date. I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, excuse me. Got a little something in my eye. Well, there Fair we enough. go. <laughs> what we've been waiting for the last season, the promise comes to be fulfilled. They both have acknowledged their feelings. They both stepped up, and now... The jam can begin, I guess. You know, the way they were leading up into that, though, I, you know, I, I have kind of fallen into that, you know, I was over the whole Jim Pam thing. It, 
And it seemed I would have been happy had they kind of left it at okay, maybe at least at the end of this episode, the end of this season, that okay, you know, maybe it's just uh, wrong, wrong place, wrong time, you know, like mm-hmm. at the risk of sounding silly, you know, in a, in a what's that line in Singles, you know, in an alternate universe, <laughs> we would have been a scorching couple, and you know, maybe maybe that's what. Jim and Pam were going to be. Yeah, I mean, they could have done that, and we we talked about that a little bit as one of the potential outcomes that, you know, maybe they just never get together, but that that wouldn't satisfy the mainstream audience, I don't think, so. No. They got to go for it, and a lot I'm of the stuff... I think I would have been okay with Right, them. yeah, I would too, but, you know, again, I'm, as I said, I thought I was over them as well, and I was proven wrong by the writers, so congratulations, guys. That you made scene, a man cry. <laughs> that scene is mostly visual too. You get that, um, you know, the little note and the the throwback to Office Olympics, the little gold medal yogurt lid taped on there, and you know, where do you see yourself in ten years? And then we see Jim driving by himself, and and then that that begs the question, as we said earlier. I mean. What the hell? <laughs> what happened to Karen? Yeah, what did he do? <laughs> he did left he leave her there. You know, <laughs> did he? Did he call her? Or what? Yeah. But uh, I like the, I like the way that whole thing was paced. With you know, with the uh, you know the close up on him, and then there was just kind of like this brief pause, kind of fade into the flashback. You know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have kind of some people have commented on the fact that that was that was kind of a weird thing because usually in the show they never use those kind of techniques uh, and so it was sort of it, it sort of hit people as being a little out of place that flashback. yeah i was thinking about that too I mean, you know if if you're looking at it strictly as this should always be a documentary you know mm-hmm. but they they did that in the first episode of the season right in Gary right. Wish Hunt. so we had that symmetry and it's almost very similar too. you know in in the dark two of them kind of talking to each other. Um, yeah, and like we said earlier, that was, uh, you know, that just that one line about I haven't come back really changed, as we said, changed the whole perception of season three. So I don't know, now maybe I'm going to go back and rewatch the whole thing and see, see if it plays out that way. But um, like you said, I was very excited, very happy. I know everyone on the blog page was ecstatic about the ending. We have blog reports of people weeping and jumping up and down, and all kinds of things. So what was your reaction there, Ian? Uh, I was, I, I went to sleep fine after watching that episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't keep it bottled up, admit it. Yeah, yeah, you know, after, after, again, remember, uh, you know, I was watching it after uh, all this uh, hullabaloo about what a great episode, what a great ending it was, you know, I had people IMing me, have you watched it yet? It's so good. Um <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it was, it just, it felt right. It was, it was just handled really well. It didn't, it didn't strike a bad note with me at all. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those kind of things where sort of like with Casino Night, it hints at promise of something mm-hmm. to come. Yeah. And if that was, again, if that was like the, that last episode of the series ever. Yeah. I was thinking as the fitting. same thing. I was thinking the exact same thing. You know what? If they ended it right here, that could that would actually not be bad. You you could end it right there. Yeah, it would give you that kind of hint of promise that they were going to give it a shot and that, you know, those crazy yeah. kids just might make it work. Okay, well, 
we only really have one scene left, and it uh, came at the end of the episode after the commercial bump, and probably the most controversial scene of the entire episode. So let's take a listen. So, I know we left the other day on a note of uncertainty, but after some more thought, I'm very pleased to be able to offer you this job. <laughs> Great. I'm so glad. We're all very excited you're going to be joining us. It'll be nice to have another MBA around here. I'm excited, too. Okay. Bye. Who's that? Nobody. You and I are done. What? <laughs> God, that was such a great ending. It was. It was a little weird, like, the cat, the way that the cat was That was, was the scene that had me jumping up and down on my couch. <laughs> Except I wasn't. I was, like, in bed. But. Yeah, the way that the camera was placed was a little odd. Again, it sort of seemed like maybe he was there filming it by himself or something. But even so, yeah, I mean, it was a, I think it was a great line. And just the fact that he's, you and I are done. I just, yeah, that, that's an interesting point about the camera placement. I, I didn't think about where the cameraman would be. I just thought it would, it seems sort of villainous, you know, like that's the angle yeah, you would see that, uh, a villain <laughs> Looking from, downward, like a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Again, and a lot of people, like we said, for some reason, everyone refused to believe that he really got the job. <laughs> All kinds of crazy theories involved about how he was talking to someone else on the phone. But, I mean, yeah. It, it, well, just, it was such a curveball. It, it was a total curveball. But then again, when you think about it, like we said, it, makes, it does make sense. Uh, as he says, you know, it, Ryan has his degree and probably chock full of new business ideas. So, uh, again, tension. Yeah, somebody asked... You know, we'll hear this later in the email. Somebody asked this question, you know, has ever, anyone ever gotten a job like that based solely on a degree? And I would say, well, hell yeah. I think that happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. That's how you get people with no experience uh, being bosses of people who are much You can totally see them are. being, you know, David Wallace being impressed. Well, like you said, by, you know, him having new ideas of how to change things, you know, him going in there saying, you know, this company's dying, here's what you need to do. Yeah, remember um, his big presentation about how <laughs> Dunder Mifflin was going to die in five years. Right, but I, I was also thinking of, I mean, I don't know how much you've ever watched The Apprentice, but, you know, how everyone's so impressed and or intimidated by anyone in the, in the on either of the teams or the NBA. Mm-hmm. Which I just thought was kind of, I, I'm sure it wasn't an intentional nod by any means. <laughs> to, to that, but well, I it is an NBC program. You never know. Yeah, which uh, is canceled, actually. By the way, um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Like we said, offers so many possibilities for next season. So bring it on, season four. Well, uh, as of the recording time, Ian, there's three deleted scenes that have been posted, and uh, let's take a listen to those. Define scorched earth policy. When an attacker goes through another country. Sometimes they will. Too long. What is the Dharma Initiative? It is the source of all energy on the planet. It is a corporation formed by aliens. I'm a very good interviewee. Why? Because I have something that nobody else has. And that is my brain, which makes me charming, witty, intelligent, and quick on my feet. Who is the second man on the moon? Trick question. There was no second man on the moon. Inventor of the cotton gin. Eli Edison. Talk me through an appendectomy. Step one, disinfection. (laughs) Step two, incision. Step three, remove the appendix tenderly so it doesn't burst and spread toxicity everywhere. Step five, resutures. Sutures, yes. 
When is the Paleolithic age? 17 BC. What is a scented candle? How is the new boss? Tough. Do people respect him? They have to. Do they like him? Irrelevant. They do not. And I hate them back. Well, if Michael gets a job, I will be so upset because Dwight used to have a crush on me. So if he's boss, it'll be really awkward. Mm -hmm. But if Jim gets it, you should be happy because you have a crush on him and he totally doesn't feel the same way. And then he'll be gone. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever happens. Pam, he's just not that into you. Oh, I know. We talked about it and he told me. No, seriously, Pam, wake up. Okay. Kelly made me realize something. She and I have nothing in common. And I need more friends. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, <clears throat> I've actually done a lot of thinking about that. And in 10 years, I am living in a big house with my kids. And in this house, we have screens on the walls that have famous art on them. And I have a remote that works everything that has like a belt loop attachment or in my ear like a Bluetooth and because it's the future I can take just a little tiny pill and get all my vitamins for the whole day. The multivitamin? I don't know what it's going <laughs> to be called but my point is the future of this company is now and the future is me. Michael, what happened? Jan got fired. And I realized that I could not work for a company that would fire my girlfriend. But more than that, I realized that I couldn't take a job that would take me away from this place. This is where I belong. This is my home. And home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. Heart is. That makes a lot more sense. You think they'd help each other out like that at corporate? I think not. <laughs> So there you go. Home is oh, where those, the hardest. Those were all really strong scenes. I mean, I guess that speaks to how strong this episode was. Is that yeah, and that's the all thing. All those scenes were really good. You think about that. I mean, it was that. an hour-long episode, and still, yeah. we didn't have enough room for the good scenes. <laughs> yeah, more of. I mean, more of Andy and Dwight. Just kind of again. I'm. I, I can't believe that that was scripted. I imagine that they're just sitting there, you know, <laughs> improving all those answers. Um, <laughs> I really like the uh, Pam um, Kelly scene too. Yeah, she's just not in, just not that into you. <laughs> that whole Oprah Sex in the City whatever bullshit. Kelly has no, <laughs> she has no friends in the office at all. So you know what's going to happen to her next year? Maybe Kelly will be the one that's pranked. But yeah, a lot, of, I mean, a lot of, a lot of solid good stuff. Keep checking the webpage though uh, this week and see if. They're going to post any more. Um, now that there's not a lot of new episodes, I really don't know what they're going to be doing on the webpage. So I guess we'll have to, ca uh, like I said, just kind of keep checking that out and see what they're going to do. I, I, you know, people waiting for new webisodes this summer, I, based on the flack that happened last year with the Writers Union, I don't think that we're going to see that anymore. Yeah, especially, I mean, there's talk that there might be a strike. Right, so... Unless they were specifically contracted to write those shorts, I it's not going to happen. So we'll see. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, Amethyst is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. It's called the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a fax this morning? Yeah. Uh,
If you haven't already heard, NBC made it official at the network up front last week. They've ordered 30, well, as they said, segments of The Office for next season, which will include five-hour-long episodes. Uh, And as expected, the show will be moved to the 9 p.m., 8 p.m. Central time slot on Thursday nights. Now, uh, what do I mean by 30 segments? Well, they're counting those five-hour-long episodes as two segments each Mm -hmm. there. So there's technically only going to be... 25 episodes with five hour long ones that count as two so i don't know at this point now ian are we glad or not glad that they didn't go to the hour-long format uh i guess glad i am anyway i i was kind of on the fence about that yeah i mean as we said good at really good episodes like the job for example i mean that's an hour long that really shines i wouldn't mind watching that every week but could they keep that up I don't know. I still think they have the kind of cast that could sustain something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would have to have a lot more storylines, obviously. Also official, in case this season finale didn't tip you off, Fox picked up Rashida Jones's new comedy, The Rules of Starting Over. Apparently, the show, which is executive produced by the Farrelly Brothers, will debut on the network in January, possibly as a mid-season replacement for whichever sitcom on the fall schedule ends up getting the boot. As of right now, it's not listed on Fox's schedule. Uh, Jones will play Kate, an attorney who handled the divorces of the other three male characters on the show. Having just turned 30, Kate is dumped after a seven-year engagement and soon joins her friends on the dating scene. Networks want their stars to make an impression at the TV upfront presentations, but this probably isn't what they had in mind. At one of the upfront events in New York City, Jenna Fisher fell down some marble steps of a club while wearing high heels and ended up fracturing her back in four places. Fortunately, Fisher avoided any damage near her spine and is expected to make a full recovery in four to six weeks. She spent the night in the hospital with her friend and co-star Angela Kinsey and her husband James Gunn flew in from L.A. Um, As you might imagine, unfortunately Fisher had a lot of stuff going on that week. She had to cancel both her scheduled appearance on Late Night with Conan O'Brien and a photo shoot with the other office ladies for Harper's Bazaar magazine. As of now, no word whether or not Karen Filippelli was responsible. Uh, as expected, Angela Kinsey and Brian Baumgartner visited Scranton last weekend as part of the Electric City's Office Fest 2007. Upon arriving in town Friday night, the actors toured several bars and restaurants that have been mentioned on the show, such as Poor Richards and Cooper's. Uh, the next day, after a VIP breakfast, they also toured the Pen Paper and Supply Company, which that's seen in the opening credits, right? Right. Uh, they signed autographs for three hours at Steamtown Mall, and finally stopped by a rooftop party held at a parking garage. The city of Scranton also announced the official dates for the office convention this fall. Scranton will open its arms to fans of the show on the weekend of October 26th through 28th. Events, activities, and ticket prices will be announced at a later date. And they do have an official website. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't have the address on me right now, but you go to our blog page, and there is an article that links right to that. Now, as of now, Ian... Theofficeconvention.com. Okay, well, check that out. As of right now, I don't know if either Ian or I will be attending this event. I think it really depends on several factors. depends on uh, who's going to be there. depends on kind of the events, I guess, they're going to have. 
depends on whether or not uh, the convention organizers uh, want to work with us in a podcast fashion, that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens as uh, as far as that goes, and we'll keep you updated. Really wish it wasn't during football season. The Scranton Times Tribune this week pro- profiled Ed Helms before the office's finale, asked him what he thinks of Andy Bernard, and he said, I like to think of Andy as like he was probably president of his fraternity and like kind of the alpha male, but he wasn't a loser fraternity. He always had status issues and never was quite the cool guy, but totally played off like the king of nerds, like the king of dorks or whatever. Helms also explained how he came to the show. He already had a development deal with NBC, and a network executive informed him that a new role would be opening up. Uh, Helms was originally hired to appear in 10 episodes, but the writing staff took such a liking to his character that he was eventually added to the regular cast, and uh, as we said, we're still on the fence about that whole thing. And finally, NBC.com will be adding some interactive features to the show's network website. This fall, The Office 360 will allow fans to create their own branches of Dunder Mifflin. Those branches will then be given corporate challenges to complete each week and could be incorporated into an actual episode of the show. Um, When I heard about this thing, my first reaction was, wow, that that really sounds kind of lame. I know that the networks, and especially NBC, they're really boosting to have a big internet presence for all their shows but as of right now what i'm going to say is that uh, next fall we are going to have a that's what she said branch of dunder mifflin and we are going to kick whoever's ass gets in our way so hear me now next new episode well i don't know sometime in september 2007 as of right now we don't know the specific details we did hear a rumor that the season three dvd will be released on September 11th. In the blog, BJ Novak and the other people on the show said that the DVD set was going to be released right around the time of the premiere. So I would say probably look for it uh, second or third week of September. But in the meantime, uh, this week on May 24th, we're getting reruns of the convention. And then on May 31st, we're getting a rerun of the coup. And Ian, we talked about the time shift for the show. The reruns will be at the new fall time. So the office is being moved as of May 24th to the 9 p.m., 8 p.m. slot. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I got to erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, this was posted by Jordan on the blog page, and he says, I was watching this episode with my girlfriend, my roommate, and his girlfriend. Uh, He's talking about the job. We're all having a good time, joking around, laughing, drinking, all that stuff. When it was time for Jim's interview and that note with the gold medal dropped out of the folder, I felt a lump in my throat and my heart froze. My girlfriend grabbed my arm with a vice grip, and I swear there wasn't a sound from anyone until Jim walked in on Pam's talking head. Then the two girls just exploded in absolute glee, and I had a tear or two in my eye. Emotionally magnificent. Bravo, office writers. Bravo. So there we go. Yet another man brought to tears by the office. This is an email from John. I love the podcast and recommend it to everyone I know that watches the show and was lucky enough to score an iPod at their Yankee Swap. I was extremely happy with the finale. I agree with Matt where I would have stopped watching the show if Jan announced she was carrying Michael's love child. It would have definitely been a jump the shark moment. 
Maybe I'm a horrible person, but I think Jim ditching Karen in New York was hilarious. Everything about the episode was great. How soon till Shroot Bucks are for sale online? Yeah, that was a pretty fancy-looking thing. I don't know if you froze frame on that or not, but it was uh, to recreate that in Photoshop would take quite a lot of effort, so maybe they'll post it online. I don't know. Now, this was posted by Joanna on our blog page. She said, if Jan hadn't been performing well for two years, according to her boss, why wasn't she let go much sooner? And why didn't she read the signs of being fired? The big boss should never have told Michael that he was applying for Jan's position. That was so tactless. But Jan's flighty professionalism should have been brought up much, much earlier. Uh, yeah, like I said, I guess. Um, she seemed really to be not paying attention, I guess, to what was going on around her. So maybe Yeah, we, we just don't see, we don't see how that office works. I mean, maybe, I'm sure hints would have been dropped, you know? Yeah, some people mentioned, like, oh, wouldn't she have seen the job posting? Or My only defense, I guess, is she was too busy either getting her boob job surgery or checking her uh, shopping online or something. I don't know. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, although, you know, that sort of espionage, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. That stuff happens. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, really, you can go a long time without checking for new jobs at your job, I guess. So, apologists, I guess we are, but uh, nonetheless, next. This was posted by Mike of the Let's Speak Italian podcast. After watching the sh- episode again, I have a new theory. Ryan isn't talking to David Wallace at the end. He's talking to Karen. I think Karen was dumped by Jim and now has called Ryan to see if he's interested in going out. All Ryan says into the phone is, I'm excited too. Okay, bye. So I think he's talking to Karen who said, I just broke up with Jim. Would you be interested in going out? We learned a couple of weeks ago that Ryan was interested in hooking up with Karen and now she's going to give him the opportunity. Oh, Mike, Mike, Mike. I don't know. Um... We talked about that before. I mean, like you said, it seems obvious that the really the simplest answer is the correct one. And on that Office Live chat, I mean, BJ Novak basically said that, yeah, that was the case, that Michael uh, is going to have Ryan as his new boss, and they're writing the scripts already. So I don't know. Again, I don't really know what, was, what would be gained by that having, having it be Karen calling him. No, I just think it, people are filling in a, a blank there because we don't know what happened to Karen. Yep. As you said before, I guess, uh, filling in that question. All right. This was, this was posted by Kyla on the blog page. She says, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief quite a bit for this show, but it's so hard to believe that Ryan will get the job corporate. Uh, perhaps I'm projecting my own job search frustrations on the show, but has anyone ever gotten a job offer because of a degree alone, ever? Ryan's work experience seems shaky at best. The whole situation rings incredibly false with me. Um, we kind of talked about this already. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? No, I don't think a job offer, maybe a promotion? Sure. <laughs> right. I mean, it was an internal company. Uh, he does have the degree. Maybe he just wowed him with his enthusiasm or something. I don't know. But Maybe Wallace has a man crush on him as well. Yeah, that could be. Oh, you know what? Before we forget, as long as we're talking about Wallace having man crushes, um, I can't believe I almost forgot this. Did you uh, did you catch that thing where he's interviewing Jim and he talks about the fact that uh, he's probably going to hate the HR guy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of goes off on him, just like Toby. Oh, man. The one guy you're not going to like around here. Exactly. He's like, ugh. <laughs> uh, parallelism it's- at its best. So it was posted by Katie. I'm happy they picked Ryan. I think that'll bring a whole new dimension that most of us hadn't yet considered. 
Ryan as Michael's boss will be interesting. I don't know if he'll be a prick or just endlessly frustrated, but I can't imagine Michael is going to take it well, considering how he tends to think of Ryan as his protege. Yep, that is true. Like we said, bring it on. I'm very interested in seeing what happens with that development next year. All right, lastly, this is from Adam, and he says, My favorite moment from the finale, Dwight thanking Pam for helping him as secret assistant to the regional manager. I love the sincerity of that scene. It was nice to see someone goofing with Dwight without it being malicious, and that's kind of what we said before, I agree, uh, although I enjoy those moments as well. Question, what's your take on Season 4? I like the direction the Season 3 finale took with regard to the future of the series. I get the feeling the show is going to return to its roots a bit, with Jim being back and the Stanford branch being a distant memory. I'm hoping we'll get back to spending more time in the office of The Office. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like we said, we kind of talked about this a little bit already. I'm really excited for all these new developments. So Yeah, um, I saw a promo for... for uh, I've been obsessed with NBC's promos for uh, The Bionic Woman. <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping that Pam gets into some sort of uh, auto accident and her uh, legs have to be replaced with bionic, bionic limbs. Oh, man. I think that could be really cool. <sighs> I guess. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did you want a serious answer for that? Uh, I'll probably watch season four. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I will, too. All right, uh, that's going to about do it for us, Ian. Let's bring our first season of That's What She Said to a close. Join us in, well, in about three or four months, I guess, for the new episode. But much more recently, join us in around two or three weeks from now. Ian and I have tentative plans to go back and do a series of retro podcasts during the summer that's going to look at the first season of The Office going from episode one through episode six. Please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at thatswhatshesaid.libsyn.com. If you have a chance, please leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in the various The Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for this episode was provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out at music.podshow.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash theoffice during the week for more deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, and more. And Ian, I think I will end off our finale episode here with Jim and Pam having the last word. I'm in love with you. What? What are you doing? What do you expect me to say to that? I just need you to know. Honey, why are you calling me so late? truth, I just have a big thing for Pam. Well, Pam is cute. She's really funny. She's warm, and she just, like, she likes so much, she don't give up. The gauge they married, never, ever, ever give up. You've been in the Scranton brand for a long time. What did you like most about that thing, Pam? Karen suggested that I get a haircut. Hey, everything looks great. Pam is kind of a bitch. I really hope you get the job. And I wish Jim were here. Wow. This is serious. Hardcore. Self-destruction. Okay, good. Karen get the job? Jim and I are just too similar. Maybe one day I'll find my own parents. I'm not gay. The real reason that I wanted to be a mother is because I wanted to be not here. And even though I came back, I just feel like I've never really come back.
wish you would. Totally fine. Are you free for dinner tonight? Yes. All right. Then it's a date. I'm sorry, what was the question? All right, thanks for sticking with us over the last season, guys. We'll uh, catch you in a couple of weeks. Bye. That was pretty weak. <laughs>